Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And my guest is Kevin Gilliland, who is adjunct professor in counseling and has been around Dallas Seminary since? Yeah, let's say 92. Okay. And uh, also is executive director for Innovation 360, is that right? That's it. Yep. And, and our topic today is escapism, which means if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably escaping right now, and and we're, we're interested in talking about things that people do to kind of get out of the routine of life, and yet at the same time, things that people do that in the midst of that escape may or may not be serving them well. So yeah. it's a kind of combination. So Kevin, talk a little bit about your counseling background and how in the world did you get into this area of counseling? Yeah, that's a good question. How did you escape to how this How did I field? escape to this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I go back, I've got uh, a son that just graduated from Baylor, which is where I went. Mm-hmm. And um, I still remember having that conversation with with the academic advisor in my freshman year and asking me what I was interested in. And I wasn't sure what I was interested in, but I knew I was not interested in math. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, well, hey, how about psychology? And I'm like, yeah, I like people. That works. (laughs) And and, uh, it's a good thing there's a big God. And so, you know, I really do. I ended up down that path. I ended up in graduate school at Rosemead, got my doctorate in clinical psychology, uh, finished up back here in Dallas, and um, there's a couple areas I've done a lot of work in. One of those has been addictions. I've done some phase three trials with uh, pharmaceutical companies for the FDA, Hmm. looking at addiction medications, Hmm. and then had a chance in some previous roles with a Johnson & Johnson pharmaceutical company and another company to be a medical liaison that I just had a chance to talk to a lot of really wonderful men and women that devote their lives to studying addictions and how we struggle sometimes, and to be able to hear and see how that's done across the country. Hmm. Um, Some of those wonderful men and women also happen to be incredibly godly, deep people. Mm -hmm. Um, Some happen to be brilliant, brilliant individuals that understand the body and neuroscience like I never will. And so... Hmm. Um, but my desire has always been working with people that struggle. Hmm. Uh, and so that's sort of where I've landed. And um, you, you know, you've done this a while. Um, when If you're lucky enough to fall in love with what you do, what a deal. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't have planned it, mm-hmm. but I really, really enjoy it. So hmm. that's sort of how I ended up in this niche of – uh, and it does fit a little bit with how we escape at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do it in healthy ways, and we can do it in ways that unravel us. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because I assume that you didn't um, you didn't hand out your shingle uh, hang up your shingle initially and say um, uh, counselor and escapism or something like that. Yeah. So so how did yeah. you how did you kind of uh, navigate your way into this particular space. Yeah, it's you know, and at its worst, I think when humans struggle with escaping, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you really have to come back and go, okay, so what are we talking about, and why do we do it as humans? Mm-hmm. Um, and in its extreme case, I think is what you see, where you see some addictions, mm-hmm. you see some severe depression, depressive episodes, or anxiety, and. 
Um, so in its worst forms, it's there. But the really troubling part is there are much greater numbers that struggle with escaping in little ways mm-hmm. that still have a real negative impact on our spiritual life, our relational life, and our physical life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where... When you see what it looks like in its extreme, I think you're in a better place to notice it in its subtleties in life. Interesting. So I'm assuming that what happened is is that you started doing counseling and this topic just kind of repeatedly popped up in one way or another? Yeah. it's. I think it's probably – who knows? Yeah. The short answer. Okay. Who knows? Okay. But it's one of those things that you have your tribe, mm-hmm. right? You've, um, you've written a few books mm-hmm. in your day. Um, is it Luke, the commentary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why Luke? Yeah. You're like, I don't know if I picked Luke or Luke picked me. <laughs> you know? And so I think it's the same. Well, I actually can tell my story, but that's <laughs> you <okay>. did. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? You go, wow, how did I end up teaching this course or writing this book? I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I picked it or it picked me. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to, for me, um, how God so directs and orients our path in ways I don't think we'll fully fathom un- until later. But I think some of it was I picked this, and some of it was it picked me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's that piece of it that um, you settle into certain struggles, and they're easier for you to help people with than mm-hmm. other struggles. Mm-hmm. And I think this, for whatever reasons, was a struggle that that I saw people having that was easier for me to understand, relate to, step into hmm. than other struggles. So um, uh, we're going to try one more time and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> So I take it that what happened is you were in general doing the kind of counseling that counselors do, and this consistently, like I'm going to call whack-a-mole, you know, just yeah. kind of yeah. consistently popped up, yeah. and you all of a sudden you realized, Hey, I better take a harder look at what is involved yeah. here, or did you actually prepare to do this coming in? No, I didn't prepare to do this coming in. Um, I think I stepped into. I went to Rosemead for graduate school, and in the course of of all of those subjects, uh, I took a class on addictions. Hmm. Uh, and in the most extreme form of escapism, no mm-hmm. question, drugs, alcohol, food, mm-hmm. sex, they mm-hmm. are they mm-hmm. give us humans trouble. Mm-hmm. But in their milder and more moderate forms, I think are some of the things that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so having that class and taking that class and sitting in, um, we also had to go to an AA meeting. Hmm. Never been to an AA meeting in my life. Hmm. And I go to that as a student, and I ask students to do that now when I teach, and I do I'm adjunct here as well as SMU. Whenever I have students do that, it's this, they come back saying the same thing. When I listen to them talk about community and mm-hmm. relationship and grace and forgiveness, mm-hmm. I think that resonated with my spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. and anchoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably a piece for me that really drew me hmm. um, was that, especially in AA meetings, say what you want about it, we could debate it all we want, but it's unmistakably gracious and welcoming to people that have struggled in such a terrible way that they've hurt some of the most meaningful people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to have a place where there's not condemnation for them to step in and wrestle and struggle and try to change their life is a remarkable thing. Um, so, Well, I may be going at this backwards, but isn't one of the things that makes uh, AA so attractive is, is that in the midst of 
the acceptance, there comes an environment in which you can successfully challenge the way people live and the way they go about it and sustain them in the midst of it, which seems like the opposite of the way we normally think about it. Don't you have to really, you know, confront them and dig in and that kind of thing? I mean, what's your take on that? As yeah, a that's that's really – that's um, – when we know people care about us for no other uh, sort of alternative reason but genuinely care about us and want to help us with some basic needs, we'll allow them to have conversations with us that we won't allow other people to have. Mm-hmm. We're invited in, if you will. I'm not trespassing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a right to tell you what I think about you and your life, but if I care for you and I'm willing to step in with you in such a horrible time in your life, and we continue to do that a little bit, then there's going to be a space that I have some relational element that I can begin to speak to you about things that I see and know and think I may know in your struggle, because it's been my struggle, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes Christians, we miss that. We think, oh, I'm a believer, you're a believer, hey, let me share with you what I see. Mm -hmm. You have no relational investment with me. Mm-hmm. And so you're running a real risk that it simply comes across as harsh, judgmental, and unloving. Mm-hmm. But in the right context, um, that right word about our behavior and struggles, boy, that's just the – it's the word of, of God, really. It's yeah. just it happened to be carried through you. Um, so it's a long answer, to, I think. Did that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, no, it did. It very much so. I mean, because I, I think that sometimes we underestimate the power of grace and acceptance. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've just been reading Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer lately. His, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about community, and one of the things he says is, first, don't tell people a bunch of scriptures. And then, second, the first thing you should do is just listen and be present. We mm-hmm. often undervalue the significance of being with people. Mm-hmm. And if we can be with people and we can bear their burdens, then we have a chance to talk about the most impactful thing in this world, which is the Word of God. But it will be rightly placed, appropriately placed, so that it will give grace, not judgment, but grace, because it's in the presence of grace that we make significant changes in our life. It feels very different. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 cultural engagement is very much the same kind of thing. I tell people, people will not care about your critique unless they know you care. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. pretty simple, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't agree more. And so I think initially that probably was something that I don't know what thoughts I had about what AA looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really struck by that grace and that love and compassion. But then also the ability to speak the truth in a way that seemed harsh but wasn't was incredibly loving mm-hmm. so yeah i can yeah. i can accept something even hard words from a friend who i know is a friend yes yeah i mean it's just yeah. that simple yeah, yeah well yeah. Let, let's let's talk about uh, escapism here a little bit and uh, i've been told i have a lot of millennials on my staff and I, oh. and, and they 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 are all thrilled we're doing this podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> because um, uh, I guess in their minds, they think with the uh, advent of things like Netflix and that kind of thing, that the the ability to escape and to do so somewhat addictively in ways that damage us is is a common trait, especially of of their generation, which which struck me. You know, I, I can't 
pretend to be a millennial. I'm way beyond that, but um, yeah. uh, in terms of age, but um, but the, it, it struck me their their interest in this topic because it does seem that there is a lot more potential uh, ways that we can escape today than we than perhaps we used to. I mean, the, you know, you get the old standards. You mentioned them to begin with, um, but but now there are lots of other more subtle ways to yeah. to escape. So, what do you see? Yeah, I uh, like you. I'm not quite a millennial. They occasionally invite me for a tour, so I <laughs> I see the land that is the millennial, and I love it. Uh-huh. Um, I love them uh-huh. uh, as a group for what they're helping us to see. Mm-hmm. But I do agree. Um, we're still learning to use technology. Mm-hmm. We just simply don't have the maturity to use it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I make that as a blanket statement about humans. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the escapism, um, well, first, I guess, sort of as, as um, uh, full disclosure, I have absolutely binge-watched series before. Uh-huh. I love it, and it's great fun. Uh-huh. Um, I won't say what series, <laughs> yeah. but we'll just leave it at I have partaken of said binge-watching of series. I've done it once with my millennial kids present, encouraging <laughs> me, okay? Yeah. yeah, I've been drug on trips with that, too. Yes, yes. Now, what I would say, though, is especially for us to be mindful is, so when does binge-watching a series go from something that that may be relaxing, mm-hmm. may be refreshing, and when does it become something that is problematic? Mm-hmm. And, and what we see is when we ask it to do something for us, mm-hmm. we're taking a step down a path that may be problematic. For instance, mm-hmm. if, if and, and we almost always end up in that escapism when we're trying to manage life mm-hmm. or a stressful time, a difficult time, a challenging time, either emotionally or physically. Um, or at work, financially, and it's how do we manage the stress, the anxiety, the mood that's related to that, and we look for ways to do that as humans. Mm -hmm. Well, binge-watching or just watching TV and checking out Mm -hmm. or sitting and scrolling through Facebook Mm -hmm. or Instagram or now I've instantly dated myself. Your listeners are going, that that dude's over 50. And you're messing with all kinds of people And I'm just (laughs) just going to throw, whether it's Snapchat or what. I'm fine with all of that, but Mm -hmm. what happens is we tend – to overinvest in it because we're asking it to help us forget about the stress in this relationship or my anxiety and fear about work or uh, whatever it is, my health issues, that I'm asking it to relax me, to help deal with a difficult relationship, and it can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think those things begin to cause problems for us. Our our problem, likewise, whether it's Netflix or wine Mm -hmm. or these new craft beers that the millennials love, Mm there's nothing wrong with alcohol. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with food. But when we begin to ask it to do something for us, or when we're struggling in a difficult chapter of life, mm-hmm. we tend to be impulsive. Mm-hmm. We tend to be thoughtless. Um, and we tend to struggle with those things that were at other times in our life that we do without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking to somebody earlier about. By and large, on average, I tend to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you can hear in my throat, I had strep throat last week. And mm. really, I hope I never get it that bad again. But for the past eight or nine days, I've eaten terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've made, I just haven't eaten good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I look at that and I go, yeah, I'm physically not feeling well. Mentally, I'm struggling a little bit because I can't be at the office and mm-hmm. I know I'm not able to, I feel like I'm getting behind. So I'm like, ooh. So I'm psychologically and physically not at my best. Mm-hmm. Is it a surprise that I ate so poorly, so out of character? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I, 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 now, what's important is, okay, I don't want to overreact to that. I have to see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I have to look at, okay, i got to step back into a different place because it doesn't matter how much sweets you eat or how many carbs you eat. You're not going to get rid of the anxiety about feeling the way you do and not being able to do the normal things in life, right? Your energy is down, so you don't even feel like studying or reading or doing those habits that you love. Make sense? So what you're saying to me is, is that although we view it as an escape, there actually is no escape in one sense. In other words, there's there's there. Uh, to to go to a place to try and nullify or numb or forget the circumstances that you're in doesn't actually help you deal and cope with the circumstances that you're in. In some cases, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to hope that's the case, right? Because right, right. I'd rather have a couple of glasses of wine with my wife tonight when I get home and we have dinner, and that. We won't have to go through the messiness of why she got mad at me and what I said back and then what we uh, – hopefully we can just have a couple glasses of wine and we can, okay, are we good? Yeah, we're good. And you're like, well, when you've been married a while, you realize, no, we, we're going to have to talk through some things. Mm-hmm. That wine's not going to make it go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are healthy ways we can sort of refresh or sort through things, mm-hmm. and there are ways that are really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, those quick things, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like Netflix, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all that social media, food, alcohol, all of those things are very quick. They're immediate. Um, I don't have to use a lot of thought for them. Um, and some of those physically are very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so you go, wow, it's, you know, eating right and exercising is never going to be as immediately rewarding as a pizza. It's just not. Yeah, exercising is just no it's fun. Not, it's not. You're like, wow. Now, will yeah. I see the long term benefits mm-hmm. and daily? Yes. But when we're struggling, it's hard not to get, quote, lost in those things mm-hmm. beyond the point at which they may be beneficial. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, now, you you mentioned neuroscience, which mm-hmm. I think sometimes people go, "What does that have to do with anything?" I mean, um, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I barely know what a neuron is. So, um, so help us explain kind of why that's a part of this conversation. Well, much to to my disappointment. Um, our, our mind and our body is unfortunately forever connected. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I would like to treat my body recklessly and deprive it of sleep and nutrients and healthy things mm-hmm. and still be able to function mm-hmm. mentally and spiritually at my best, mm-hmm. you just simply can't. Mm-hmm. And so on, on this side of heaven, we are trapped in these bodies of ours. Um, and that means, how do I attend to my basic needs? Because where my body goes, my mind will follow, hmm. and vice versa. Where my mind goes, my body often follows. I spent some time a couple of weeks ago with a young man that was college, great young man, hmm. uh, and getting ready for finals, doing graduate work, and he stretched his physical 
being beyond its limits. And mm. so that means not enough sleep, mm-hmm. too much caffeine, mm-hmm. not enough food, and over the course of a couple of weeks, really lost the ability at making good judgment and good decisions, mm. literally, like to the point of not going to class, not like friends were concerned, like this is not normal. Mm. And you go, yeah, we can only do so much with our bodies and not expect to have mental, psychological, and emotional consequences. And we do that all the time. And so when, when you say neurons and neurochemistry, we're woven together in such a way that, that the, fascinating, the fascinating creation that is our mind and our bodies, I don't know why we send a rover to Mars when, when our minds and our bodies are so wonderfully created and crafted. Hmm. Um, We stretch them beyond what they're able to, and we suffer the consequences. And so when you look at some of the things that are good for us, some of the things we escape into are not good for us, like Netflix and Mm -hmm. social media. We end up very isolated Mm -hmm. um, and disconnected from other people. And at our core, we're created in such a way to be in relationship. We are relational beings. We are relational spiritual beings. And when we isolate, humans don't do well. Hmm. Just look at history. There's a long history of it. And when we don't take care of the physical part of us, our minds don't function the way they need to, and we need food, we need sleep. Um, it helps us be who we desire to be, and we simply can't treat it in a way that neglects that. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I just watched a fascinating documentary called Becoming Warren Buffett. Mm-mm. It's fascinating. Mm. But one of the first things he starts with is he's actually speaking to a group of high school students. And he said, what if I gave you and told you I was going to give you a brand new car after this? But the only catch is, this is the only car you're going to have the rest of your life. But you can have anything you want. Mm. Um, and you see these poor high school kids light up like he could do that. <laughs> uh, and he said, the only catch is, it's the only car you'll have for the rest of your life. Now, my question to you is, how are you going to treat that car? Mm-hmm. And you can just see, wow, if that's the case, and I get the car of my dreams, how am I going to treat that? And he said, that's your body. Mm-hmm. That's your mind. Mm-hmm. You get one of them. I know you don't think it now, but you need to act like it's the only one you're going to get. And mm-hmm. I thought, it's such incredible theological wisdom, mm-hmm. as well as natural wisdom of, yeah, that has an impact on how I do. And we were talking about neuroscience. Let's talk a little bit about how that works, because you said our bodies are connected, but but I, I take it that part of what happens is is that if I can say it this way, escapism can feed itself. Yeah, is that is yeah. that true? And that and that and that our bodies react in such a way that it can actually make matters worse rather than better. How does that How does that work? Yeah, without boring everyone about neuroscience, it is. I think it was the 2000s that were the decade of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have an ability to look at how our brain works and functions in ways that are really just remarkable. And we know that our brains work on uh, electricity and neurotransmitters. Everybody knows what dopamine is. It's mm-hmm. the feel-good emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, we're woven together in such a way that when we step into activities that are pleasurable and rewarding and we need to repeat, we have a release of pleasurable chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how, how it's supposed to work, so that we remember that and we do it again. Likewise, those things that aren't pleasurable and rewarding and good for us have a negative effect on us. 
Um, and so when we step into things like um, Netflix or alcohol or food or social media, we do release chemicals. We're always releasing chemicals. Um, and sometimes we can do that in a way that's artificial, mm-hmm. like alcohol and food, for instance, mm-hmm. food. It releases really important chemicals that regulate our mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more than just nutrition for our bodies. It also releases chemicals for our brains as well. Mm-hmm. And so there are activities we step into and engage in that artificially release those chemicals. Um, alcohol is a great example, but the same thing takes place whether it's watching movies or in social media or gaming. Uh, that you'll see people do it for hours is that you're artificially releasing all of these chemicals that are in amounts that are above what they normally should be and are over a period of time that are longer than they should be. Hmm. Um, I read an article here recently about someone that a young man that um, died from caffeine. Um, increased amounts of caffeine, and there was a, somebody at a gaming conference here not long ago that died as well. You hear about those things, of, mm. and those are typically outliers. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're going to die from gaming, right. but, but what it does remind you is that you can step into those activities, artificially release these chemicals, that you get lost. That it sort of is this, reward, this negatively rewarding activity that you go back to because it's easy. Um, exercise is rewarding and good for the body, but not in the same amounts as eating Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm-hmm. I love them. Mm-hmm. But eating them in large volumes every day is not good for me, but that's easier than doing those things that are good for me, that give me a break and allow me to escape in a healthy way. Hmm. So I've heard you use exercise a lot, so I take it exercise is one of the solutions to this problem, and proper diet is another solution to this problem. I mean, what someone comes in and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this problem, uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you break that down for them? Yeah. Well, you know, and when, when you do talk to people that – and again, you don't have – and people that are struggling sort of with escapism, whether it's Netflix or gaming or social media, you probably still have a job. You mm-hmm. probably – your relationships are probably still doing okay. But you know something's off. Mm-hmm. You just know, yeah, I'm not – not my normal self, and that almost always means we're starting to isolate more. We've kind of withdrawn from things that we used to stay plugged into, and that this activity sort of becomes the center that the rest of my life rotates around. It's like around. this growing amoeba that takes up more and more of your life. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. and you plan your day around it, and you kind of look forward to it, and mm-hmm. it does start to hurt relationships, mm-hmm. and it may start to impact work because you're staying up late at night, now mm-hmm. you're tired, you're not at your best, you're mm-hmm. just not. And so there's an element of that that you start just asking some of those basic questions of, okay, tell me, how are you doing in your relationships? What what are you doing that you still enjoy and love and that is sort of fills you with excitement about life? That's not I, – I get the Netflix – again, I'm not opposed to Netflix or gaming. But when it's doing more than it should in your life, that's when it starts to be problematic. And mm-hmm. so looking at those other aspects – I, I do some work at Cooper Clinic, and I love Dr. Cooper talks all the time about being active, mm-hmm. and that's different than exercising. Mm-hmm. But our bodies were built to be in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're wrestling with the technology piece because it really leans the other way from that. And so one of the things I talk about is what are you doing to keep your body in motion? We, we're, we're, we're athletes. If you have a body, 
you're an athlete. So you're talking about being engaged physically in life. What are you doing physically? And yeah. that's that's uh, uh, another gentleman, Todd Whitthorn, who's just brilliant at nutrition and change. He talks about walk your dog even if you don't have one. <laughs> and, and what he's getting is these these bodies are I like meant to see that. He is out in there, Greg. Uh, it's you know we're meant to move, and uh-huh. so when we isolate or escape, oftentimes we choose things where we physically just aren't moving, mm-hmm. and so. So you look at how do you physically move, and then second, what are you doing to connect with people in meaningful ways? Because mm-hmm. we often look at escapism, and where it becomes problematic is especially when it's isolating. Mm-hmm. Now, just because you're gaming with somebody in Seattle and in Quebec and in Miami does not mean you're interacting with people. Right. I, I hate to irritate your audience, but <laughs> you actually need to be with and see people. Mm-hmm. Um, and And that sometimes can be really relaxing and refreshing and allowing us to take a break from the demands or struggles or whatever it is that we just feel like we need to get a break from. And getting a break from doesn't always mean mindlessly stepping into gaming or Netflix or there are a lot of great ways to get lost or to just take a break from the demands of life. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a mom with young kids that no longer is working and talking to adults or you're a business guy that just got promoted, or you're a young adult that's stepping into a new career. Um, Life gets difficult. And the things I look for when I start talking to people are, okay, are you isolating? Are you trying to go against the laws of nature? Your body needs seven or eight hours to recharge. Mm -hmm. You can't run your car without gas Mm -hmm. or electricity, whatever you have. Your iPhone is going to die after a certain amount of time. And Mm -hmm. if you think it's that spectacular, why does it need to be recharged? Our bodies are the same. Mm -hmm. So are you trying to defy the laws of nature by stretching it too thin and not sleeping and not nourishing and eating well? And so those are some of the first things I look at because they can have some of the most dramatic impact. Hmm. And then to look at relationally, what are you doing to connect? Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so, and and do do you work through uh, having people articulate what's happening to them in the midst of their escapism, so they kind of become aware of the. Damage they may subtly be subtly doing to themselves. Yeah, and it's really inviting the conversation of okay, is it working? Mm-hmm. Is it still working? Hmm. Um, and I, again, I enjoy watching movies, mm-hmm. but you're on your third or fourth one. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel relaxed? Mm-hmm. Do you still, feel, or is it started to whip around the other direction where yeah, it's not relaxing anymore? Hmm. I keep going at it thinking it's going, but it's not. Okay, well, what are you looking for? What are you asking it to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's feeling rested, I just need to rest. Take a nap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm okay with a movie. Some old things work, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, old things are new again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's how do you how do you look at is if we were to look at your life and if we looked over the past week or two and said, okay, how are you dealing with this new job or this about to be married or whatever it is? And you go, okay, how are you dealing with that? Because that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Can mm-hmm. we have that conversation? Yes. Okay, how are you managing that well? And if your answer is repeatedly gaming or Netflix, 
You're like, huh, I think you may be overplaying that hand. It's not going to be able to do that much. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with you doing that one night or a couple of nights. Or how can you look at changing and adding a couple of things that are different? Mm -hmm. Whether that's, and I always look for things that you can kill two birds with one stone. If you're going to start to be active, go to a class of some sort. We're creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. If you go to a yoga class at six o'clock on Monday, you're going to have a good friend within a month because Mm -hmm. everybody's going to go Monday at six, Mm -hmm. all the same people. And so you go, okay, how can you incorporate some of those things together that you start to find some relationships that are relaxing for you or whatever it is that you find that is meaningful for you? It may be reading literature, fiction, or history. Great. Weave that into some of the things that you're looking at. And then... The, the one thing that we don't do that is incredibly refreshing for us and energizing is when we just sit for a little bit of time to be thoughtful about our day. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? What am I wrestling with? What are my priorities? If, if I don't slow enough and look at whatever the issue is, I'm really never going to tease out an answer. It kind of used to be a mistaken notion of what we thought about anxiety. If you're afraid of flying, well, just don't think about flying. Well, then you end up not flying, and the mm-hmm. world gets to be really small. Mm-hmm. Instead, spend some time looking at it. What mm-hmm. is it that that I'm wanting to escape from, mm-hmm. and how can I maybe think about it differently, be more thoughtful about it, more prayerful as I'm sitting with God and being quiet with God or reading the Word? How do I allow those things to to be woven into that time? But if I don't create any space to reflect and think on it, then you're probably not going to unpack it. And that's sometimes what people do by coming to see somebody like me or a counselor mm-hmm. or therapist is that oftentimes is the first time you've slowed down enough to go, what are you trying to do? And you're listening to a voice and bouncing it off as a way of, of trying yeah. to get to a point of processing. Do you encourage um, – it just struck me in the, the talking about the quiet time and the reflective time. Do you encourage journaling at all and that kind of thing? I do. Yeah. I, I, abs- I love it. Now, people, you talk about lightning rod. You almost feel like you just told someone, hey, do homework. You're like, oh, <laughs> settle down, settle down. Look, I just capture some of your thoughts mm-hmm. because I think what's so fascinating about journaling – I recommend it. For some people, it's great. For others, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But what I think it helps us do is it helps us to have perspective on our life. And we start to see that, wow, I have seasons where I struggle and seasons when I do well. Mm-hmm. And these seasons are going to come and go. Um, I wrote a book uh, last year that's kind of just a collection of a lot of the things that we talk about as therapists and with people that are struggling. And it's it's called Struggle Well, Live Well, mm-hmm. because we are going to struggle. Mm-hmm. But when I do, I want to struggle well. And then I also want to live well. Uh, And so there's a piece of it that I talk about journaling that helps us see that. Hmm. And so whether it's just a free form, I'm just going to jot my thoughts. Um, I picked up a colleague of mine was talking about, it's called the 10-year journal. And it's spectacular. Hmm. I actually picked one up. Hmm. It's only got about three lines on each year. But you, in essence, open a page like in a book, and on the left it says, what's today? It says Tuesday the 30th, 2007. But I can look right above it and see 
2006. What mm-hmm. was I doing on this day last year mm-hmm. and the year before? And just little things, mm-hmm. like whether it's I went to see the new Guardians of the Galaxy with my kids mm-hmm. or my son's graduation or doing a podcast with you mm-hmm. or some other more meaningful, deeper wrestling personally. I might jot a note or two, but I love it because it's only two or three lines. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to see these seasons of my life because our lives, I think at times, we're like little kids that keep bugging our parents to make a mark on the door jam. Have I grown? Am I any taller? Am I any taller? Right, right. And what you get with that is, well, one, frustrated parents, but two, you start (laughs) to get some perspective over time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think perspective over time helps us to see our struggles differently mm-hmm. and informs those times when we feel the need to escape and to replenish and restore and that we need other people helping us. Yeah, I almost feel like journaling is kind of a way of having a conversation with yourself. Oh, absolutely. You know. A- absolutely. We we and when we struggle, when we escape, we need our best thinking. Yeah. And our best thinking is not quietly bouncing around an idea like a pinball. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how you get it out, whether you write it in a journal, you talk to a friend mm-hmm. that and you need the right kind of friends. Mm-hmm. Not someone that's gonna tell you you can do anything and someone mm-hmm. that's gonna lecture you, but someone that can just listen and go, Wow, yeah, man, I don't know. But I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so now now I feel like I got room to keep talking. Mm-hmm. And if I keep talking, I'm going to think and see my situation differently. Mm-hmm. And I, you're absolutely right. I think journaling does that for us. We see when we write our thoughts down. You've written, mm-hmm. but when we write our thoughts out, it's a very different experience. And it can be revealing. I mean, yes, it. it, it uh, I find my. You know, I fly a lot. I travel a lot, and um, there are times on the plane where I just sit. And, and I'm reflecting on either what I'm getting ready to do or what I've just done, and I'm wrestling with, all right, processing, you know, what was positive and what was negative about that, that kind of thing. Uh, wh- what do I think I've learned from what yep. has taken place? You know, some really just basic core questions yeah. that um, that allow that that allow me to be um, to do some self assessment, and it's it's. It's critical without being damaging, yes. if I can make that distinction. I love that. Um, That's a great way to say it. Yeah. It, 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 it's, a, it's an assessment, but it's not designed to tear down. It's, it's actually designed to assess. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, um, you discover things about yourself, what you like, what you didn't like, what you would repeat, what you wouldn't repeat, those kinds of things. And you start to see patterns. You're mm-hmm. like, wow, I have always struggled with worry. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. You know, I'd love to say I started journaling because I work in this field and yada, yada, yada. That's It would not be true. Um, my wife, especially for the past 10, 12 years, was like, you really need to journal. And I'm I hit or miss with it. Mm-hmm. But starting about 8, 10 years ago, I've become more regular at it. Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is you have to do it long enough to see the fruits of it. Right. And right. that is a it doesn't bear fruit the first season. You're like, no, keep writing, keep writing. You're like, wow. That's what I've loved about the 10 year journal uh-huh. is you see these little markers and it's what Facebook is trying to do mm-hmm. with the photos of here's where you were last year right, or two right. years ago. Journaling does the same thing mm-hmm. except you see 
your psychology and spirituality, you see that growth. It's the the equivalent of that Facebook. Here's a photo of where you were. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, yeah. I really, yeah. No, interesting, it's, huh? Well, so I, I take it that one of the ways out of 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 this escapism, if I, I'm a, I'm going to be an irony in this, is, is to um, escape from the escapism and to actually face the life that you're being dealt. Yeah, with. and it's really to ask the ser- the difficult question of, is it really still helping you? Mm-hmm. Is it still doing what it said it would do? Mm-hmm. And almost everybody that that I talk to about that is pretty quick to go, no, it's just not. It's not. It's not pleasurable like it used to be. And I tell you, this is the way out of almost any addiction. Am I right about that? Yeah, and, I, and I'm not even saying that Netflix or social media is an addiction, but right. I think what it becomes is such a significant escape that we haven't have stopped to just step back and critically go, hey, okay, is it still really enjoyable? Mm-hmm. Is it still at a place that's manageable in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is, great. But if it's not, then you've got to begin to look at, what do I need to do differently then? Mm-hmm. How do I need to step into this differently because there are certain things it's not going to be able to do for me mm-hmm. um, but it's it's being able and willing to ask those difficult questions because that's a hard conversation right. if you've been using the electronics for escapism asking the simple question of is it really still working for you is a real threatening thing mm-hmm. because I may realize this isn't good for me but I don't know what else to do. I don't know what's next. And humans are funny. We'll keep doing stuff that we know is not good for us if we don't know what plan to take or we don't believe that it'll work. Okay, so I asked the question, is this still working for me? And my answer is no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? Yeah, now how do I get out of this? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd go back with the uh, age-old spiritual theological principle, which is the buddy system. Mm-hmm. Life gets a lot easier when I've got somebody else helping me with it hmm. um, for much of the same reasons that you talk about journaling. Um, and I would say go back to the things that have been good for you in the past. If reading through Oswald Chambers or reading through a psalm has been something in the past for you that's been really good, go back to it. Mm-hmm. There's a a, um, a lady I've been working with at Innovation 360 here recently that really wonderful, godly woman that's just going through a difficult season of her life. And I was talking to her about this. She was like, oh, I love reading the psalms. I'm like, I want you to go back to that for me. Just mm-hmm. just kind of go back to that. We also, She also used to be really physically active. I'm like, I want you to go back to that too. Let's just do it for a week and see what happens. Um, because it used to be good for her. Mm-hmm. And she, I saw her about a week later, and she was like, oh, I just love that. I had forgotten what that does to nourish me and replenish me. Mm. And I didn't believe that it could do for me what this social media is doing for me. Mm-hmm. I know. It's the lies that all of those escapes mm-hmm. tell us. And so I would say have a conversation with somebody. It doesn't always have to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'll take a good friend over a therapist any day of the week. Now, I, I love what I get to do in life. But a good therapist, a good therapist will be with you for a season. A good friend will be with you for a lifetime, mm-hmm. and they're the kind of person you can step into that conversation with. And know you don't have to defend and argue, and you can just share. They know you. They know you. Yeah. It's where you're known, yeah. and you know. Yeah. And so I would say it gets easier when you reach out and connect with that one person or one or two people. Family aren't always the best. 
um, especially parents, we get real crazy and nutty and anxious. We're driven by fear more than we are by how big our God is. Um, and I think that's a wrestle for us. But so family's not always not. It may be for certain people mm-hmm. in certain seasons. If you can reach out to somebody, but that's the wonderful thing about being a believer is that we always have the Spirit and the Word and a God that loves us and is intimately acquainted with the details of our life in ways that we can't fathom. Mm-hmm. And so we can sometimes make a step back into those things that are significant and meaningful for us, and they will open doors and lead us to a place that we'll be shocked at um, when we look back in a month or two months. You know, we don't – one of the things I talk about a lot is when I do some – we do Facebook Live, and one of the things I talk about is marginal gains mm-hmm. and 1% change. Mm-hmm. Um, look, if you can this week and you're struggling with social media or escaping into gaming, if you can look at just doing 1% different this week, do that. Just do 1% different today. Hmm. That, you know what? I'm going to spend one less hour doing this. or th- I'm gonna, Actually, I'm going to take and spend 30 minutes doing this instead of that. If I just look at changing 1%, man, it's <laughs> – yeah. yeah, just – small things have dramatic impacts in our life. That's why whenever I talk about quiet time or reading a psalm, you know, everybody wants to be a, a monk. You're like, oh, I can't do that for four hours. I'm like, I I didn't ask you to do it for four hours, mm-hmm. but can you do it for four minutes? Mm-hmm. And four minutes may seem like a lifetime. So you know what? Go with, there's so many apps today, go with a verse of the day or a quote of the day by some of the these wonderful godly men and women. Start with that. And see where that grows to. That 1%. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could look at – I get – I love C.S. Lewis. So I get a a quote a day of C.S. Lewis's, and it usually takes me four days to understand what he said. But (laughs) it's – I can't tell you how many paths that's led me down that I never anticipated. Mm -hmm. That I'll go and read this or look at that or check into this or read some part of history that he's referencing. That, And so you go, okay, just 1%. Can you do 1%? Um, and that's the space that I would say is it's not as big as it feels that that the the escape that you've when you find yourself off the path trying to get away from life, if you can just recognize okay this isn't doing what it used to do for me mm-hmm. how do I get out I'm gonna talk to somebody or I'm gonna go back to God. Well, Kevin, I thank you for coming in and helping us think through um, escaping and kind of recapturing ourselves, recapturing our soul in the process, and and uh, and hopefully some of this self-reflection that you've caused people in exercising and taking care of our bodies, getting our sleep, that some of these approaches, drawing near to a friend, drawing near to the Word and God will help us. We thank you for being a part of the table, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.